Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone to this week's Reality Renault with Mitch and Mark Mitchie. We are not in the same state right now. No, I've had to fly to Canberra uh, for business here, but I'll be with you tomorrow, but in Melbourne, not home in Sydney, because we've got an opportunity in Melbourne tomorrow. I know, we're very excited to go down to Melbourne. Uh, it's been a while since we've been down there. We're going to an opening of an art exhibition. But in the meantime, this week, you're in Canberra and I'm sitting in the northern beaches amongst this crazy weather. We've just been pummeled for hours with rain. I've never, ever heard in my lifetime of areas like Manly, uh, Manly Beach, and even the Rosal Bridge, if those who know it in Sydney, flooding in those areas is unheard of, Mark. So... My heart goes out to people in those areas, but in the greater parts of New South Wales, all up and down the coast, Brisbane's had their, sorry, Queensland has had their shitstorm of it. Now it's happening through New South Wales. Man, it is a mess. It is such a mess. You know, sitting here, like the rain started just after you left, you were headed down to the airport. And I thought, okay, this won't last too long. And it just kept going and going and going. And it feels like it's never going to stop. Well, and our house is leaking like a sieve. We need to renovate and it's <laughs> yep. becoming more apparent because our house is an absolute mess. But compared to what other people are going through, we just have to um, suck it up because other people are going through a hell of a lot worse oh, than, 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 than leaks in the house, man. Yeah, it's nothing. At one point I was outside drenched trying to dig out a drain because it was flooding in the back part of our one of our, our drains out the back. But that is nothing compared to what people are going through. And I guess, Mitch, it brings me to... You know, humans through um, adversity and resilience. And we got a chance to go to the Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras on Saturday night. And whilst it was a celebration amongst all this sort of natural disaster, it was a reminder that through adversity that there is hope, that people, you know, we as human beings seem to be able to face adversities and keep that kind of spirit. Well, the Mardi Gras is about celebrating diversity and it's, a, it's not just a big party and having fun and putting on a few feather bows. It's actually recognising that, that a group of people in 1978 decided to march for their rights as human beings. Yeah, it's so, so important. And while we were there, we actually bumped into this week's guest. Yes, we bumped into this week's guest. This lady was there with her daughter, her daughter, 12-year-old daughter, which was really, really good to see a parent saying, you know what, we're not all the same. We come in many different shapes, sizes and forms and genders and this is what it looks like and it was a joyous celebration and I commend any parent opening their children up to to difference. Yeah, I think it's really good. For a lot of people, they don't know how to start that conversation. Often people are fearful that if I start the conversation, am I putting ideas into kids' heads that weren't there before? But these days, kids are... They're seeing so much more through the inter- internet. They're talking so much more about the issues. So it's not something that you need to force, but you need to be open and allow kids in their own time to have the conversation. Well, Mark, actually, interestingly, I was reading the news.com's 
sort of big thing on the on the Mardi Gras. Yeah. And the opening for news was talking about a couple of amazing, beautiful women and how they were dressed and about how fabulous they looked the way they were dressed. And I thought, seriously, guys, it's bigger than that. Mardi Gras is much more mm. than about uh, a couple of beautiful women looking great. It's, yeah. They missed the mark. I'm so glad you raised that because I saw the, saw the same thing and thought much the same. These women look amazing and we want to celebrate them. They, you know, fabulous. It's wonderful. However, the Mardi Gras started with people in 1978 protesting and saying they will not be put down again. And yet we didn't see in some of the mainstream coverage, we didn't see photos of those people. Where were the photos of the 78ers who always walk in the parade? Where were the other photos of the gay and lesbian support groups, the transgender support groups? So whilst I think, yes, it's fabulous to have these wonderful photos of people dressed in in their fabulous Mardi Gras gear, but let's balance it and go, it is also more than that. It is also political. Well, Mark, it's also the same thing like that was a few days ahead of International Women's Day. I'm sure women who are fighting for equality uh, are more interested in about hearing about the great things women are doing as opposed to women looking fabulous in a sexy outfit. Well, it was almost a bit more than, you know, I took it that they chose, these mainstream publications chose photographs. A couple of them were heterosexual women, identified as heterosexual women. One wasn't in very heteronormative sexual positions and clothing that really I was like, okay, I get that diversity is here, but is that what you choose to lead with when this is about diversity and there were so many other photo opportunities in that parade? I kind of thought we've missed the mark. We've really missed the mark. It's not about just parading around in a G-string. It's actually more than that. Anyway, that's my rant. But this week... We're talking to an amazing woman. Our guest is a woman who started her journalistic career in Queensland. She knew from the time she was a young girl that she wanted to be a journalist. She did, but she didn't know how to get there. And I think it's fascinating to listen to her talk about how she got to build the career she has built because this woman is influential across restaurants. The food that people try and cook in their homes these days is influenced by the publication she has grown and developed. She's most amazing woman, and it's the lovely, wonderful Kerry McCallum. Kerry McCallum, editor-in-chief of Delicious and editor-in-chief Escape magazine. And also, you are a special friend of ours, particularly a special friend of Mitchie's. I think you've had many days and nights of I have mine Mark. too, but you guys <laughs> seem to have um, bonded over lots of eating and drinking and humour. You have the same humour. <laughs> Travel, friends, good things in life. Well, we met through the we met through the food industry because what some listeners may not know is I had a background in marketing and communications and food, and that's where I first met Kerry at a party in. Noosa. I'd seen Carrie around and uh, her tall, statuesque, model-like <laughs> look and fashion sense. I kind of had had an opinion of her before I even knew her. You had an opinion was, of her. What was your opinion? Oh, I thought she was going. I thought, I thought, Carrie, I, I said, you know this. I thought you were going to be one of these <laughs> Carrie, fashion the types that was better than everyone. But when I found Kerry groveling around in our fridge looking for champagne at a party at Noosa. Oh, really? You were Noosa cutting a suede through the crowd to go to the fridge. Oh, my gosh. I, 
I did. And I just went through their fridge and they were like, excuse me, who are you? And I said, oh, hello, I'm Gary. I just need something to drink. And I, okay. And they were not impressed. And um, I, for some reason, thought Mitch was married to Kylie, his partner in professional crime. And um, and then I realized, actually, no, he's married to Mark. And then we were just laughing and um, we, we just connected. Mitch, I'm now suddenly having the vision. I now understand who the two of you are. It's Patsy and Eddie. <laughs> Totally. Yes. On the it is. Oh I think. I think. We are. I think you are. I know. We are. See you with the champagne. I don't know bottle. who's who, but. Oh, I think I know Hello, who's who. Look you're at your big blonde hair, for God's sake. And you're tall and I'm short. <laughs> Which... And Mitch, Mitch does tend to be a little clumsy sometimes and say things inappropriately. So I think we know who, who's who. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. I don't know how long ago it was, Kerry. It was quite a, quite a few years back now. I started on Delicious seven or eight years ago, so it was back then. You just started. It's Yeah, a while ago. You just started. Yeah, I just started. You come across so, some fashion. So, you know, who are you? I said, <laughs> I'm just Patsy. So, Kerry, I want to go back further because I know a bit about your background. You um, You came out of Brisbane before you got here and became an it chick in Sydney. So um, I assume there was there was a communications degree. Yes, I um, I studied arts journalism at the University of Queensland straight out of high school, uh, which I, re- I really loved journalism actually. I was lucky I found a course I liked straight away. So I really loved that, but um, I had to move from Brisbane to Sydney because I really wanted to work in magazines and you had to you had to move to Sydney to get into magazines because that was where they were all based. What age did you come to Sydney? I think it was 22. All right. Uh, I just packed all my stuff up in the car and drove down, uh, got a job at a small publisher, really small publisher, which was advice someone gave me and said, look, stop, I just because I couldn't get a job when I graduated. I was trying, I was trying. And it's hard to, you know, be living in suburban Brisbane trying to get a job at Clio. It's, I mean, it's just hard. <laughs> So someone gave me the advice of um, going for a smaller, less less of a high profile, less popular independent publisher to get your foot in the door down there, which I did. It was a craft and homes publisher actually and um, got got a job and moved down and just chucked all my stuff in the car and, and drove off. And um, I remember my parents waving me off thinking, oh, she'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't come. <laughs> but I, I was beside myself to get just get a job in some sort of magazine and, um, yeah, I, mo- I moved down and obviously never looked back. I mean, I, I did move to New York for a few years in between that, but I've pretty much been in Sydney uh, otherwise since I was 22. I New do York love the way you years. pop in there, Mitch. That was a very patsy moment. Yes. Popped in there. I just moved to New York for a few years. But anyway. What did you do in New York? I was working at Elle magazine at the time and I was able to get a foreign correspondent visa to get into New York. I'd never lived overseas. Like I was one of these people that was always working, 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 went straight to university from school, went straight into a job, like was just, you know, and, and realised, look, I'm getting to the point where if I want to live overseas for a bit, I probably should take the opportunity now. So at that time it was sort of London or New York. I had a lot of friends in London, but New York seemed to be, kind of different and unique and you know it was that era of sex in the city being filmed and um i i'd never been there i just moved there i loved up i had a one friend um Carrie, wh- i mean when? in hindsight that was when pr- when was this that was well i was i moved there in it was six months before two um september 11 happened so it was 2001 then and um i lived there then no Carrie, you were there. 
no. You, you were probably hanging out the cross same paths. <laughs> oh my automatic slims. <laughs> all the all the West oh Village spots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like it was it was it was like night and day living in New York at that time, like pre and post September eleven, do you think? Yeah, it was absolutely. kind of at its zenith. Um it was the place to be. And then you came back. Came back, yeah. So I, I, I worked in fashion magazines for was close to 20 years of my life and yeah, made the transition to food and delicious. I kind of want to go back a bit. When you went to university, the decisions that we make relatively young, you know, I mean, you've got kids now. So when you look back and go, you're making decisions when you're 16, 17, 18 about something that's going to be the rest of your life career-wise, potentially rest of your life career-wise. Mm-hmm. What was it about comms journalism that attracted you? What, you know, was there something you wanted to do with that or I don't know, was it? I definitely had harboured um, private dreams since I was 13 to edit a magazine. <laughs> I, I remember being 12 or 13 and finding Dolly and 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 Cleo and those mags at that time and thinking this is it for me. However, I'd say that that also felt a little unrealistic to me living in, yeah, suburban Brisbane. My parents were teachers. I didn't know anybody in that world and it felt very hard and far away and isolated to get into. What was it about those magazines that, like, was it? They were just like a gateway to another world and the creativity and the ideas and the excitement I felt. Plus I, I, I was a good writer. I always wanted to be a writer Less so a news journalist, more of a features and lifestyle kind of writer. I I really enjoyed those kind of long form stories, but and the the, the imagery, the the way it captured a moment. I, I really kind of the dream. I love that, and the I still dream. do. Yeah, I, I just even with food photography or travel photography, um, you know, homes. You you kind of you're capturing this moment, and there's something very tangible. So I, I was always attracted to that, but I probably never told many people because it seems silly. I did tell my year seven teacher, but I had a year 12 teacher, my English teacher, who actually suggested journalism. Uh, I, I was sort of throwing, it felt again, my dad was, he was very sensible and he's like, just, you know, get a good, get a good government job, but, you know, just do something sensible. <laughs> and they probably thought, well, they did think I was nuts. And they were like, what <laughs> are you talking about? But I, I've had some sort of self-belief that I felt, very attracted and drawn to doing this and I was always the sort of person and I still am now where I think well why not I'm just going to give that a go I think why not why can I not do that Kerry I do want to jump forward to the transition from fashion to food but before we go there um, I'm really interested now that you had this passion Mm. when you were 12 13 about I want to be the person writing about this fashion and writing about these stories in these mag- in these magazines which were out of reach. What would you tell that that 13-year-old to do differently than you've done? Or did it all work? Uh, uh, yeah, like if I, if you look back to 13-year-old self, um, while I always had a, a level of deep down self-belief, you do you would you do lack confidence i think at that age and it feels very far far away for me that person de- definitely didn't have obviously the confidence but i would say that persistence and that work ethic and that the dreaming it, it's all possible like it, it it kind of um 
if you if you're willing to put in that effort to achieve your dreams, it, it is it is possible. But I would tell that person to get a haircut as well. <laughs> <laughs> I had a terrible fro and you know uh, you know bad style vibes. But no, I, I would just um, I would tell my, that person to have faith. Have faith. You won't be you know you won't be the frizzy fro girlfriend. <laughs> I certainly have this image of you. Now, as Kerry, glamorous Kerry, going back to your 13-year-old, just going, get a look, look. You can do anything, but just get a look. You <laughs> look so wrong, girl. Get a look going here. I know. And just that, you know, it's an age where you're going through, you know, you're going through that transition in confidence and, and trying to figure out who you are and build that that self-belief and that, that confidence. But, yeah, ha- having confidence that in persistence and effort and a hard work ethic can come anything really. And you don't realise that at the time, do you? No. no you, don't. you don't. No. Like if, if only you knew back then with the throw that there were going to be hair products that would actually make it all settle down, how <laughs> your life would have changed. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump forward now. You've been fashioned for almost 20 years and you seized an opportunity to, to get out of fashion, which was where you were so passionate and good. Why? Yeah, well, it was accidental. It, it wasn't planned. It was my CEO at the time suggested that I I take on this brand as well, Delicious. And I was sort of surprised. And then, so it wasn't like I was looking to get out, but when she explained to me, I want to put the fashionability into food. I, I want all the things she wanted to bring to Delicious, the lifestyle around the food, the people, the parties, the places, the stories as well as the ingredients and the recipes themselves, but the table setting, that all of that, I'm a big entertainer or I love to, and you know, host and attend parties. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought that's actually really great. I, I was, a, I loved cooking. She said, you're always hanging out with chefs. And I thought, well, yeah, actually I am. So I thought, well, I'll give this a go. This sounds really interesting. Then the more I kind of spent time on the brand, uh, the more people I met, the more authenticity I found in this world of food, these people that had incredibly interesting stories to tell, humble but hardworking, still very creative and aesthetic, a bit mad. I was very attracted to, to it more and more as time went on, and I still am, actually. You said then authenticity in it. Is that an important thing that you are attracted to or you look for authenticity? And what does that mean to you? Well, it's just really interesting stories. Like when you're interviewing someone, it might be an oyster farmer who spent 30 years guarding an estuary or uh, a marine park and one oyster might take a long, many, many years of hard work to grow versus, you know, when you're interviewing someone who's the face of a skincare brand but they're just representing that brand for a year and they're not going to tell you anything anyway and, there's a depth to the stories that you get out of those people and a real kind of um, a, a kind of a, a grittiness, I guess, that felt really interesting. And um, plus there's also that sort of the there's a there's a decadence to working on a on a beautiful food brand. You know, it's just pleasure and joy. Yeah. So while it was while the people and the kind of idea was very real, it was still a really beautiful, creative, aesthetic, exciting fun world as well so that was the kind of the anchor the humility but the madness and the creativity that i had always attracted was attracted to in fashion but i think kerry having shared that food world with you um with there's great events there's great parties there's 
great dining out that we've we've been privileged to experience. But the people in that food world, the chefs, the cooks, the food stylist, the restaurant manager, the front of house, they are such a drawcard because they're not in these jobs because of the pay. They're in these jobs because of the passion. And it's just such an Yes. It's such a privilege being with them. Yeah, and it's really hard not to be really attracted uh, and to become entrenched in that because it's it's incredibly appealing, but it's also fun um, too. Which, uh, oh, uh, Delicious Magazine, you went in there and I really liked you talking about that, the inspiration around fashionability with this magazine and everything that connects to food because food is... You know, sometimes can be a bit of a staid magazine. Here's how to cook the latest cake or whatever. But this is you transformed that, or you, you and your team, because Delicious is now like the number one luxury food, luxury, isn't it? Magazine and food. You transformed. Yeah. Brand, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know this is not easy to do with twenty five words or less. But you know, uh, how did you transform that? What, what was was that your vision to transform it to the this? Well, no, I had the support of the company in that they, um, you know, I had bosses who who wanted me to go for it, who gave me clear direction. For me, it sort of spoke to a lot of my background around, you know, beautiful shoots and table settings were just an extension of, of that kind of style experience. I think style is compelling. You know, if you dress well, you eat well, you travel well, you drink well, the car you drive, the you know, where you go to the luggage you use, it's all interrelated and compelling. And so it felt like a really great opportunity. We had these amazing recipes and this amazing food brand, but to be able to extend it into experiences and events and and table settings and travel and drinks felt very cohesive. And then the the next evolution of, of what was already a really, you know, popular brand to be able to extend it online and to extend it into social and video and, you know, uh, events and TV show, whatever, it felt like, you know, I, I inherited a beautiful brand that was very popular given the tools from mm. my company and the right team to be able to then grow it. And Carrie, that in that transformation, often people, when they're transforming something or changing a, a brand or a company or, you know, a team, there are risks. You you know, you, you don't do the same thing because you get the same result. Sometimes you take a risk in mm. so what would was there something that you what was the riskiest thing you did in trying to transform that and, well, and did think, it go okay or uh, not <laughs> did it fall flat it's it's always hard um i think when you land in a new category and you know i've done that recently with travel landed in a new category and um you know there's 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 always people who think oh you what are you you can't do this um or what, what are you talking about so you kind of you sort of have to start again and use all the related skills you have, but also learn a new category as you go. So I think that that you are taking a risk, but with time comes experience and an understanding that it's a it's a calculated risk, and you feel quite assured and confident that you can achieve through a certain formula. It's you know who's my audience, what do they need from me, what do I need to give them. What are we trying to achieve and how are we trying to get it? And it's appointing the right team around you and the right people around you who supplement your weaknesses. You know, I, the editor-in-chief never knows everything. It's being able to put together the right team. That is the expertise of someone in my role uh, and that that's everything. And being able to do that with, say, Delicious, put the right team in place who are very good at what they do. Same with travel. There's an amazing team on Escape and now Travel and Luxury, which is our new brand, 
you get the right people um, and, and, and magic happens uh, as well as having, you know, company support behind you is integral as well. So I think there's a risk, yeah, in, in, any, in any sort of change and people can be resistant to change as well. Um, but I've learned that you can't succeed if you're res- resistant to change. And, you know, you know, Gail Kelly once said, you know, the, the former head of Westpac, she said this amazing thing, which was, you know, if people aren't on the bus with you, you've got to get them off, you know, because <laughs> people don't want to come on that journey. It's going to drag everyone else down and hold the bus back. And so you've got to work with people who are flexible and resilient and understand that change is part of the media landscape or the world now. And the people that adapt to change often end up being the most successful, really. So just being able to go with the flow and adapt quickly is is critical, really. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Kerry, it's interesting you talk about the people, the people around you, the people, uh, your bosses. Um, having worked in in marketing and communications, I've been a across all the different media platforms and the different media organisations, there's something about News Corp that no matter what area of News Corp I've worked with, there's just a friendliness and and no attitude, which which is really different different in your world. Um, other other groups are mm-hmm. very hard to get to get into to talk to um, and they and it often feels like they do they're doing you a privilege of actually giving you any time, whereas News Corp are willing to listen. It is it is different. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because actually, you know, when I think about my bosses, their sensibility is we need to earn the right to be your partner. So yeah. there is definitely, it's not arrogant. And in fact, nobody at the top there is arrogant. Are they tough? Yes. Are they hardworking? Yes. Are they incredibly smart and strategic? Yes, but arrogance um, is not a part of the senior play at news. And, you know, I look at people that are around me, like the editors of the major newspapers around the country or news sites or even Vogue, none of them are arrogant. So, you know, there's a humility to to all the people, you know, that, that sort of work with me, which I think is um, unique. I love, I love the fact, Kerry, you've talked about that because I think there's a popular, sometimes a popular image for young people. I remember going through your career and you're wanting to be successful and achieve certain things that sometimes it feels like you're supposed to be cutthroat to get there. But your distinction is you have to be hardworking. You have to be mm. tough and resilient. You have to make tough you, decisions. Yeah, and no you can do it with humility and respect. Yeah, I think... You do have to make a lot of tough decisions, but you have to try to do it with as much compassion as you can muster mm. and um, and try to do it with empathy and understanding. But, yeah, like, look, yes, you do make tough decisions that not everyone is going to like, mm. uh, but you have to learn also to let go of that. Um, yeah. You have to make sure, do I stand by this? Is this the right thing for the brand and the team? 
yes, it may not be popular with some people, but uh, I have to try to do it in, in the best way I can. But look, you're never going to make everyone happy in a job like mine, but, um, you, you know, it, it is what it is. You have to do do the right thing by the brand and the team, really. Yeah. One of the biggest decisions you made, probably your best decision, was having Mitch Edwards feature as one of the godfathers of Italian cooking in Australia. <laughs> what was I that remember, about? Kerry, I remember seeing that and I he showed me the magazine and I went, why are you in this? Godfather is a good decision. It just appeals, <laughs> it appeals to our quirky yes. sense of humour, Mark. Yes. I mean, it's just it was. the fact that I, what I like about Mitch too is that he just doesn't care. And I like, I find that so funny and appealing and it's like yeah well also pork was part of the it agenda but, but i um, like the quirkiness why not we can yeah and exactly the fun. quirky and, and fun you know we are what yeah. we are and i I'm, i think that's funny and a bit unexpected and i'm all for that carrie <laughs> yeah. we've spoken about all the amazing achievements and and the direction you've still you're still going in further directions now taking on travel there's always this debate about can women have it all you've got the great career great position uh, a supportive husband and two beautiful children you're the picture of you've got it all so what's your question can you can have you it have all? it all <laughs> well that's yeah what is that what is all that's the interesting thing is not it i mean everyone's perception of all or having it all is different. I mean, are you asking me, is my life perfect? No. <laughs> Do I have a lot of things I feel grateful for? Yes. But yeah, like life for everybody, however you work or whatever you have, whether you have a family or no family, it's, it is all relative and, and it's a juggle. Um, and I think for me, I feel lucky to be able to have two beautiful children and a family. I feel really proud of, but also a job that I, I really enjoy. I don't, all is a bit of a strange concept, isn't it? Because all is relative. <laughs> is my life perfect? Absolutely not. And anyone with kids knows that it's, it's, uh, it's you know, anything can happen really. And it's interesting you talked about all, what is all, because it's easy for people to have an image of what this perfect thing is. But I like the fact you said, well, what is all? Who knows? It's interesting because you've you've been through something that we can relate to having our um, our youngest granddaughter who's had some real health battles, but but you've also had to deal with that with Marley with her diabetes, which was pretty young when that when Marley was discovered. Yes, like yes. like two or three. Yes, Marley. Yeah, Marley was three when she was diagnosed with type one diabetes, and Jack was a newborn. Oh, wow. I think he was like just. A few months old, so I never forget being in hospital, um, just shocked out of my mind, and having it, you know, in this room with a newborn sleeping with me, just not sleeping. Because if anyone, if you know anything about type one diabetes, you don't sleep for years because it's such an unpredictable condition, and you kind of, you know, particularly when you first diagnosed, you're just constantly trying to correct insulin levels, and it's it was really hard. But um, yeah, I, I, mean, I still don't sleep that well. <laughs> Because <laughs> it is a really unpredictable condition um, and I think a lot of people, you know, which is good and bad, probably underestimate it because, you know, kids or adults that have type 1 look can look incredibly healthy but probably people don't realise the back-end work that goes into looking healthy uh, is so extensive and, and can be really exhausting at times. So, 
yeah, it's it's um it's like the third child actually. Here we go. I was talking about three in the marriage. I'm talking about the third child. Yeah, our third child's probably type one. Because <laughs> it, like you know, it affects any kind of condition or illness. It affects yep. the person who's suffering from it as well as the people in the immediate vicinity as well. In a weird way, you know, after you get past the sort of the grief and the shock of that, you do realize there's a lot of people in the world living with a lot of different stuff. But also it, there's a weirdly liberating sense of like, well, just gonna I'm gonna nothing else actually really matters other than your family and your health and I'm just gonna make sure that my daughter and my family understand that we're just gonna you know live in the moment live the best possible life you know any other challenges that come your way you can kind of dust off a bit because you think look yeah. work pressures might be hard but I deal with like really really difficult pressures health pressures at home and in a way things become water off a duck's back to a certain extent. But you really have to, yeah, live in the moment and give, I hope, hopefully given our daughter the tools to really go for it. She's incredibly brave and, you know, a massively amazing surfer. And, you know, it's really hard and nerve-wracking to, I'm always quite nervous about it, but she's incredibly brave. And I think, well, she, she's going to be living her best life and that's all you can really hope for, isn't it, mm. wish for? Absolutely. I think, so. I think it's interesting, Kerry. Sorry, Sorry Mitch, but- Sorry, Mark. You talk about that because what was on my mind listening to you is how or do you see Marley's journey with this kind of shaping her or creating her? I, I think of our granddaughter, Carly, and you look at what she's dealt with and she's only three and you can see this amazingly gentle, beautiful, resilient kid who's just so used to the medical interventions and she just handles it so do you see how that journey shapes Marley and does that give you confidence yes absolutely as much as she goes through hard times when um you know this is so frustrating I'm so over it um I you know I do always say to her but it's you know in the weirdest way it's the making of you you have you've got like a resilience and a strength you probably don't realize you have right now you know at your age but there is an incredible empathy and a resilience in her that I think is extraordinary. Like, and I think um, I think it is the make. It will be, and it is the making of her. Uh, it's hard, obviously, for a child to see that and understand that. But one hundred percent, I believe there's a strength to dealing with something like that. That 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 makes you incredible. Because Kerry and and I think for us too, and I get upset even talking about it now because it's like. It, there is a bit, why us? But but why not us? It, mm. it, it won't always be somebody else. Sometimes that's, shit happens to us, and we have to. We and we learn. That's it. And you know, again, I always say to my daughter, like, there's so many people. Most people are going through something tough. You know, it, it, there's so many people experiencing tough things and tough situations the more you talk about it the more you uncover um and I think it's just a good thing to talk about not and and to be able to to let other people know that you might be struggling or you might be having a tough day I I know that the more that you talk about it rather than hiding things or or so on um the the better you feel hey um Kerry talking about having it all you've got a you've got a great family home in the sunny beach close location of Randwick. Let's talk renovation. 
because you've you've done, you've had your share of renovation at different stages. We've sort of done something in about four properties now, from sort oh, of wow. small scale to the whole shebang. Oh, you're a renovator. I'm on my fourth. You're a property um, flipper. You're a property I am. <laughs> I am. The unintentional. I mean, really, we just started doing it because we wanted to get a better property or a bigger property. And so we kind of do it at value, then move up. So it was kind of in order to get to the place we, we wanted to to long terms. But um, yeah, weirdly, I am. I started off with a small apartment in Bondi where we ripped the kitchen out there and, and a bit of a wall. So that was a smaller, you know, small thing to do. Did you and John do the work or? No. I've done, I've sort of had different things along the way that I've learned. The first thing we did was we engaged, a, you know, it was just a pre-packaged, we, we didn't have a lot of money at that time. So we engaged a pre-kind of packaged situation just to come into the house and do it. Hmm. Just went to hmm. one provider which was fine. It was all we could really afford at the time. You know, obviously I wanted more bespoke and more personal situations as I went on and could afford. So, I, 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 you know, my preference is to engage a designer now, which is what I've done with my, you know, future properties, which is actually something I learned as a lesson along the way. It was a, it was a worthwhile investment. It, you might think you're going to spend money, you know, and you can't afford it, but it actually saves you money in the long term. Um, Putting together a house is so much harder than people think. I obviously consider myself to be someone who has a good eye, but even I can't do it. It's really hard. It's a, it's an expertise, and so I know what I like. Unless someone says, "Mitch is waiting for your phone call." Well, you know that Jack wanted to use you. He demanded, but you weren't available. Went for my last place. <laughs> you were in the in the middle of the block, but. I think it's really worthwhile to do. It's funny you say that, Kerry, because I, I do think when people are looking at improving a house, whether it's huge or small, we specialise in being able to bring it together, but even suggestions, like, and it's not a totally. plug. For, I think it's, it's a plug for anyone who does what no. we do. To get someone in that does the sort of stuff that, that we do hmm. and, I'm, and you will save, if you spend a couple of grand getting consultation in you will absolutely make that up the other end yeah totally and you're not going to make mistakes you're going to look at it holistically which is important you know for a house you're going to add value at the end all the places that we've renovated you know small or large that we've engaged a designer on we've made substantial profit that way kind of (laughs) outweighed the you know, the original outlay on a designer. You know, even say the current house we're in now, it's a, a an old house. It's a beautiful old house, but I really wanted to use colour on the walls. Like I even engaged a designer to help me pick the, the colourway. And that was a small investment. I just paid an hourly rate to start. She ended up doing the rest of my house. It's it's so worth it rather than making a mistake. A lot of people, given your background and, and what you talked about earlier, like style Fashion. is compelling. You, you loved how things looked and, and for delicious that whole visual stuff and yet and a lot of people go well Kerry you know how to put yourself together it can't be that difficult but you it, said is. it is different to do a house totally a house that and that's the mistake I thought you know I, I could I got this no I know what I like and and if someone puts a mood board to me I'm like yes 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 but creating that mood board no I cannot do that I it is an expertise knowing you know even tiles and tapware and cabinetry and painting and finishes and light fittings all of that stuff um it it you need to have it I really believe most people need 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 an expert it doesn't have to cost the earth 
either. Like we, we certainly have always had to work to a budget. It is a, it's a, it's an expertise. That's why people study for, or you have so much experience in it. It's, it's an expertise that you can't underestimate. Yeah. The long term value. <laughs> hey, I've got another, th- other thing that crosses my mind. You've talked about your career and you go to some, you're very, Fortunate, and we've been fortunate too to go to some amazing restaurants or hotels, places that do have style. Some of them we, we walk into and go, oh, wouldn't have done that in the space. But other places, there's some amazing styles and interiors that are created for places like restaurants and hotels. Do you get inspiration from those spaces? Does that make you think about your own home? And would you, yes. you know, did it inspire any of your work? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Ah. Oh. I mean, um, it's interesting actually. The two of the restaurants, the styles that I love, Fred's and Mimi's in Sydney, which yep. are Maryvale restaurants. Actually, yes, I knew you were I, going there. I was fortunate before the designer who designed them, Caroline Choker. I mean, she did them in collaboration with Maryvale and her company, of course. But she did one. She did two of my places actually before she became Mega. <laughs> <laughs> megawatt but she's so talented but i obviously love her style and um she designed she was you know worked on the design behind both those places but mm-hmm. i'm very drawn to the there's an incredible elegance but welcoming earthiness to fred's that i love that uh, open ab- kitchen absolutely yeah Beautiful. i love it um i love the restaurant too just eating there but and and then mimi's that kind of coastal elegance i i love that that look too. I mean, places like Icebergs and Sean's Panorama, I love too for different reasons, like their their design. But yes, they they definitely inspire inspire you. Could be inspire you in your own home or inspire you in a story you're shooting and creating. Yes, yeah. definitely. I find the Boathouse Group does a similar thing to me. Mary, all of Mary Bell's venues do that, but also the Boathouse Group that that beach chilled vibe and yet they can have color in there because often beaches is bland but when they and maryvale do it they do a beachy vibe as do boathouse mm-hmm. with a color blast I love color yeah yeah, yeah. and it's love amazing color. to see some of these places and you can bring th- back into your home even just things that about a color that you see there or a finish or you know some element of these beautiful beautiful places can be back in your home I mean, yeah, it gives you confidence and ideas, but I think colour is one of the hardest things for people in a home. Um, people just feel a bit daunted by it. But I'm, as you guys know, I'm, I'm so ad- addicted to colour and mishmash mm. of, of mis- mi- uh, what am I saying? Mi- mi- a mismatch of prints. I love kind of putting yes. prints together and colour. Yes. And, yes. you know, yes. I- I'm so attracted. Even, you know, hotel rooms that, that sort of, I'm not a minimalist. I'm a yeah. maximalist, I guess. I, I <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> print upon print upon colour and colour. And so actually it's kind of for me the challenge is for a designer working that I would might work with on a home would be, you know, embracing that but kind of, toning it down to be not too kind of trendy yes. or dated something that's going to date but tapping into color and prints but something that's going to have longevity in the home because you know a home is a lot more of an investment than a, a suit or a dress you might just buy so that that's always been my my challenge at, in, in a home design is to kind of just embrace it but in in a kind of a, a way that has longevity Kerry this has been super amazing 
I know. Um, I've and, 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 I, and I love and I do love your candor. And talking to you today, Mark, I just feel like we've known Kerry for what seems like forever now. Mm-hmm. But there's more layers to you. There's I, more. I, I didn't think, know your property for You life. know, Kerry, coming out of talking to you, we've hung out and we've drunk lots of champagne together before. Two things from talking to you that just really hit me. What is all? When you said that as a journalist, that made me really, I'm going to take that away thinking, yeah, what, what is all? It, it's everything. Um, but style is compelling. When you talked about it, I mean, you're right. Style is compelling. You know it when you see it and you can have it in so many parts of your life. It's not expensive. It's, it doesn't mean you buy expensive things. It's style. It's just a feeling, a look. I, the, for me, it's the quote of, of our And it's addictive. It's addictive, I yeah, think. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not just about what you wear, is it? It's about the way you, you know, you live your life, your confidence, inner X factor, whatever it is. But it does manifest itself in so many facets of, of your life. And that's something I've learned working across different lifestyle categories is that there is that in the link between fashion, food, homes, travel, all of those lifestyle categories, there's commonality and obviously specific audiences to talk to. Yeah, there, there's a common thread through them all. Kerry, um, I feel like we have asked a million questions of you. I think it's time we turn the tables and give you the opportunity to ask us a question and anything you like. Question is it all. is it boring if I ask um, another question about the block? No, <laughs> no. it's never boring. Uh, you know, it's a question around when you say you mentioned resilience. Like it, it, it struck me the first time you did it, as well as again second time. Um, what advice would you give to people? Where obviously I've got the benefit of knowing you both and what good people you are. You know, just to become a bit of a target when you do things really well you know it's a good question for kids as well to kind of when you do things well you kind of become a bit of a target that's obviously not fair but it happens in life what would you say how do you cope with that really good question I have never thought of it in those terms I think confidence you know you were talking about the team that you work with and I love that stuff about humility respect but work hard sometimes you do make tough decisions yeah confidence and belief in yourself you don't have to put somebody down to be successful I mean in my mind you if you are wanting to be successful and achieve something it doesn't have to be at somebody else's expense you know you focus on yourself and I think sometimes if people see you be successful they are oh, you must have trodden on somebody or done something to get there that's that's not ethical well no that's not true so I have belief in what we do and the decisions I guess that we make I think the other thing probably that gives me belief in what we do regardless of people who criticize you and we have had some trolls or haters not too much this time not too much this no no this time's been amazing is the couple of times we've had people say, oh, my God, watching you on TV enabled me to have a discussion with my parents about my sexuality and my, you know, and my parents accepting of that. And, and we had a message that also sent where kids, and I didn't understand that kids watch the block so much. The first time I didn't get that. And <laughs> this person sent a message saying, oh, thank you because you being on the block meant my five-year-old 
said, oh, Amiji Mark like brothers, and I got to have a conversation that you can love whomever you want. Amazing. And she said, thank you. And I never, ever, ever thought of that, and that's the stuff that makes me go, whatever we're doing is good. Yeah. It's really important. I, I, mm. Yeah, I think also, look, just it's interesting. I think we, like in Australia, we do have this tall poppy syndrome which mm. which which has got better but it's still not gone away um so to me as a to for a young person just be authentic mm. if you've if you've got a big personality that's okay mm. if you're shy try and try and get your point across but but it's okay that you don't have to you don't have to be loud to be heard mm. i i think and it's sort of for parents just encouraging your little people to be okay with who they are. I think if if parents can help their kids get comfortable in their own skin, be authentic, um, and be authentic, they'll they're gonna be okay. Yeah, I so agree. Carrie, would you ever do the block? And if not, why not? No, I would never do the block. Can you imagine me and John on the block? Um, a, I'm too tired. B, I'd probably be that person that's yelling at their husband the whole time. C, I think I'd miss my kids too much. So no, I wouldn't. So that's not a, that's a definite. There's no um, there's no second guessing that one. No. We will look forward to being able to have a drink with you in person. Thank you so much for giving pleasure. us your time. Pleasure. Um, so good to pleasure. see you both. It's, it's been, been so really much fun, nice. Kerry. Really enjoyed the chat. What a wonderful opportunity to talk to Kerry. You know, the thing that struck me, I love her little quote, style is compelling. And I think that's very true. It's like when you see style, you know it's this intangible thing, but it's so intoxicating. You love it. And it's not just it's not just food. It's not just travel. It's fabric. It's everything around us. And I love that. I'm, I'm going to take that one. Style is compelling. I love style. I love everything about it. So, yeah, I'm with you, Kerry. And she's got, I love it, she's a maximalist, not a minimalist. She's print and colour. I think you're probably a maximalist too. And I loved her tip. Her tip for a young person or for the younger self, herself, get a haircut. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Get, a, get a haircut. But you can do, I think, you know, she talks to you, you can go out there and grab life and you can do anything. Um, you may not be able to have it all because often things, I think there's often a price to pay. You know, you have to be prepared to maybe compromise some things, but you still can go out and have an amazing life. So how wonderful to talk to Kerry. We're looking forward to next week when we'll be back with another fabulous guest. But in the meantime, if you like what you're hearing, please give us a review. We love five stars, of course. And you can hear us, Mitch, where? You can hear us on Acast, Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your good podcasts from. Apple would be iTunes, right? Apple iTunes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us um, and we look forward to catching up again next week. We've got another great guest in store for you. Bye for now. See ya. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.